Hello again, everybody. I know it's been a while, but I'm back, and I cannot wait to get started again. Um, I have a lot of plans coming, and I'm wiping away everything from the summer, moving on from here. Um, first off, first order of business will be, I will be deleting all of the back catalog, and I will be re-releasing the uh, interview with American Druid, um, probably a little bit later this month, well, November, um, if not at the beginning of December. I might do these interviews as a, um, once a month thing, I, I wouldn't mind doing that, that would be something worth pursuing, uh, but like I said, since American Druid has already been released, maybe I'll just do it as a little tidbit as a re-release with a new intro or something. We'll see. But today, today, as a treat, as my re-release treat for you on this day, 1031, I am recording in the evening, pushing shit way back as much as possible. I'm going to get this out before I settle down today. But today... I bring to you something from a back catalog. So, if you are in any witchcraft circle or occult circle on social media today, and you haven't heard the name Georgina Rose, then you have definitely been living under a rock. I know this because I live under a log, and I've heard her name. Um, she came to prominence initially during the lockdowns by sharing her experience with Alistair Crowley, with studying Alistair Crowley and Thelema on TikTok, as well as other social media outlets like YouTube. Um, and obviously, once she came across my radar, I just had to sit down and have a conversation with her. I will say that this interview was a couple months ago, and it... I haven't been able to pull it out due to an archive bug. Finally got it out. Finally dealt with that bug. And so here it is. But with that, I'm going to mention um, there is a pretty gnarly echo most of the time that she is speaking. I hope it's not too much for you and you're able to listen through because through this interview, she gives quite a bit of great information about Thelema, about living with your true will. And she even shares a little story about her past. So, dig in, and I hope you enjoy this. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, uh, thank you for having me on. I'm Georgina Rose. I go by Dot Darling on the internet. I'm a Thelemite, a ceremonial magician, and I make content and do rituals. I created the podcast, posted on my podcast, and previously I ran the podcast. I'm only as in magic slash occultism inside of salt, depending on where you jumped into that chronologically. And for the past two years, I've been helping sort of spread Thelemic ideas and give commentary on the esoteric community. I'm very passionate about Thelema and magic and sort of preservation and propagation of Western esotericism. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, um, let's just go ahead and start with a uh, 10,000 foot view. What is Thelema? 
Yeah, so Thelema is a religion, philosophy, and mysticism system. It's sort of those three in one that, I mean, it, it, it was sort of, I don't like saying Crowley created Thelema. Crowley sort of tapped into the current of Thelema, also Crowley, and sort of evolved this system that's centered around the idea of true will, and it connects to a lot of, you know, ritualistic magical practices that all exist in service of helping someone discover their true will. Which true will is essentially something that is that we we all have our true will. It's sort of given to us by divinity, and through ritual and exploration, we can discover what that is, then live in alignment with it, and sort of live our lives in the most full way that we can. So that's the lima. There's a lot of history to it, a lot of complexity. It's a little more complicated sure. than that. But the core idea, the, the core idea, is sort of good. Sure, sure. Um, so Crowley. Um... You say he kind of, I w- I, I'll use my own words for this for a second. He unlocked information that and kind of combined it in a way that then became what practitioners started calling Thelema, or he himself yeah. even started calling it. Um, so you mentioned it's a religion. Does it, I've noticed in some of your videos, um, you do mention that it can piggyback on religions. Does it have a primary source that it prefers, though? Yeah, so interestingly, what defines a religion is actually one of the most debated questions in religion. Um, scholars and people have been debating what is a religion for so long um, that there's not a perfect singular answer for what makes religion. I call Philema a religion, it's what I consider my religion. And there are actually central core texts of Philema. So if you look into Philema materials, you're gonna notice that there are these documents that are called the Class A documents. Um, there's Class B, Class A, keep going on, it's sort of hierarchy by importance, but the Class A documents are sort of what we call the holy texts of Philema. The most talked about one of those being the Book of the Law, which Book of the Law is a holy text that was received and channeled by Crowley and his new wife in Cairo that is this really fascinating text that channels from three spirits, Nuit, Hadit, and Raha Rakhit, which represents sort of the mother, the father, and the child. And it has the core philosophies of Philema in it. There's a lot of our core practices in it. And it's a very interesting text to read because I think the first time anyone looks at it, they don't know what they're looking at. And so it's one that you sort of have to come back to again and again and with time it makes more sense to you. Because even Crowley, when he was channeling it, didn't fully completely understand it. And so sort of even understanding the mystery of the book of the law is part of a philemic practice in an interesting way. I mean, I I would say that 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 would be true for just about any path if you think about it i mean even christianity they go back and read the bible over and over and over again to find additional meaning especially for that point in their life and i feel that even like i i come from a point of revelation myself i do a lot of uh meditative channeling i do a lot of going out and just kind of searching in those places that I find very quiet and zen to build uh, that connection with the spirits that I work with that I that I've connected with over time um, how, how has that um, shaped your path and your pursuit your understanding from where you started to where you are now how would you how would you reflect on that uh, looking back right now? 
So my practice, I mean, it's it's been deeply influenced by that. And I think that Book of the Law is one where the first time I looked at it, I didn't know what I was looking at, to be completely honest. The first time I looked at it, I was like, I felt like I was almost on drugs. I was like, I don't know what this is. And I actually put it down for a while after the first time I read it. I was like, eh, this is the Lima thing. I mean, I think Crowley's cool. I think some of the practices really work. But this Book of the Law is a little, I don't know, it made no sense to me the first time I looked at it. And... Then I started doing more rituals and going deeper into my personal practice. And then I picked it up again. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and read this thing, cover to cover. And more of it made sense. And then I started really contemplating on certain sections of it and, you know, using some of the parts of it and seeing that some, like, lines from it are in filmic rituals. I was like, okay, there's something to this. And with time, I sort of started to understand, like, what it is and unpack it, because it is esoteric in a very literal sense, it's a mystery document, which pretty much you are right, like, almost all holy texts kind of are that in varying ways, like the first time you read the Bible as a kid, which most people know why a story is Christian, uh, you know, you're like, oh, okay, these are just stories, and then you realize that, oh my god, the Psalms in here are literally things that you can use ritualistically by just reading them in certain ways. It's, it's, it's deeper and deeper um, extrapolation that I find. It, it, it's a journey in and of itself, really unpacking these esoteric texts. Awesome. Um, and as far as where you're at now, now as a, you've kind of Im- started embodying this, not just in your um, connection with your religious nature and your spiritual nature, but also you've kind of started to turn this into a profession uh, or at least wrap some of your uh, your ability to generate income with it. How how was there conflict with that? Was there some things that you had to rationalize at all? That's something I'm also curious about. Yeah. Uh, so when I got on the internet to talk about Philema, I really didn't expect it to go anywhere. Um, I didn't think I would gain any success. What happened was, I was right at the beginning of quarantine, and I was bored. That's how this all began. I was bored in quarantine, and I was lonely. And I was spending a lot of time online, and I was, like, seeing the occult stuff on the internet, and some of it honestly pissed me off. And so I was like, I'm going to make... Basically what happened was I got annoyed with some of the stuff I was seeing on the internet, so I was like screw it, I'm going to make my own podcast because some of this information is wrong. That was my actual original reasoning. I made a podcast and I put, like, side of salt in the name of it. And (laughs) the thing is, it kind of grew from there. And I I have over the past, I mean, it took a while for me to make any income from it. I didn't make sense from any of it for the first, like, eight or nine months. Like, I I made absolutely no money for a long time. I think people think that you make... Also, I do think people think you make more money than you actually do as a content creator yeah, in general. You make a lot less than people think, but I didn't see any return at first, so I was just kind of doing it for fun. And then I did start making some money on it. Um, and it does change, I mean, whether you're subconsciously aware of it or not. I mean, people people obviously want to make more money. They want more views. I think anyone who denies that is just... I don't know, they're lying, right? And so it, it does change, and you have to kind of, it creates this weird relationship where it's like, okay, well, I don't want to exploit my tradition for views, I want to do it fair, but at the same time, I want to reach people. Because um, my goal is to promulgate the meme, right? That's why I do this, this is my anthem of promulgation. 
And it's, it's like, like, how, how do, do I propagate Galima to the most people as possible, which is something I want to do. Um, which obviously, I mean, that does have a personal benefit for me. But beyond that, I do really care about the law of Galima and still really holds the integrity of what Philema is because it's really easy when you get into the content stuff to say what people want to hear because that gets you more praise, right? It's, it's a lot easier to make the occult content that's like trending at the moment or that people are all agreeing with than to sort of speak the truth that comes from your tradition, right? Like Philema is weird to be a content creator about because Fundamentally, the mainstream narrative in the online occult community is not really in alignment with Alima. Alima is not a very popular practice on the internet. And so it becomes this very weird place to be in as a creator because it's like, well, I want to appeal to the majority of the witch community, the occult community, the spiritual community, whatever term you like for that, uh, because I want Alima to be spread. But at the same time, how do I do that without sort of, you know, sacrificing parts of it? So it's been sort of a thing that I. You know, I've tried to figure out the balance with over the past, I guess, two years. I'm uh, still figuring out where that balance entirely is. I try my best with it. Sometimes I do better than others, but it's, it's, it's tricky. I'll just say it's, it's kind of difficult. Additionally, like I imagine it's in a... I, I come from a very different perspective. I come from... I developed a heavier interest because as we mentioned kind of as we were talking before in the kind of warm-up... Um, I came from an, out of the 90s when, on the West Coast especially, if you talked about anything occult, uh, you really got shunned. You would almost immediately get blackballed if you were like, you know this thing Crowley said, if you weren't quoting Cunningham, if you weren't quoting uh, Deepak Chopra, honestly, he was being used a lot in uh, the West Coast witch communities and such when I was coming up. Um, but if you weren't using those kind of quotations you got shunned so i developed this oral tradition this very open tradition about how i believe uh versus i've noticed a lot of mysticism has uh gates a lot of knowledge gates um how how has that been for you as far as being a content creator and kind of walking that line of what do i share versus what do i keep I think that what, what do I share, share, what do I keep thinking is pretty complicated because it's part of me. This is a question I should go back and forth. With. There are certain things that I don't think you should post to everyone and give to get her. But at the same time, I mean, ever since the advent of the internet, a lot of that's been leaked. Like, ever since computers became so accessible and the equipment being discussed in the internet, a lot of stuff has just become public knowledge. The truth is, though, anything that's super secret, you're not going to find anywhere on the internet because you have to be initiated into that, and someone would have had to tell you that in, in confidence. But if, honestly, it's my view now is, I mean, if it's something you can find anyway, I don't really feel too worried about talking about it. If it's some secret gate initiate only information, it's not going to be something I can find on Google, right? That's just not going to happen. And... I try when I talk, I talk about the more advanced stuff, like, like let's say Anokian, right? Because Anokian is it's more advanced, it's more tricky. I don't feel bad just talking about it, right? Like, I don't give people direct instruction. That's sort of my way to do it. I'm not going to tell you, like, exactly how to do something. But if someone is going to watch a YouTube video about Anokian and just try it without any research, they were going to try something else without any research anyways, and I don't really think that is a creator's responsibility per se. I think giving someone who's a practitioner who's new just a bunch of Anokian information 
with a direct step without giving them the context, I think that's not okay. I think that's kind of bad. But, you know, just telling someone a practice exists, I don't really think is, I don't know, a dangerous thing to do. It's if you were telling them, this is what you do, this is how you do it, that I would feel a little differently about. And to be honest, the super secret stuff is still secret. Even though the internet exists and a lot of the occults is no longer occulted in that very literal occult word sense, some of it is still secret and some of that you can't find on the internet anyways. I don't think anything that I share, uh, except stuff that of course is my own personal revelation, I just kind of share that stuff, is stuff that is super secret that you couldn't have found anywhere else in the world because I had to learn it somewhere. Um, I don't share things that like someone tells me in confidence that they've revealed or a lot of my personal relationships, I keep a lot of that to myself, so, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's tricky, and I think we kind of, as a community, sort of have to set up that a lot of those floodgates are open anyways. And so it's, I don't know, it's, it's a thing again, but each person is able to talk about what they want to talk about. You know, you don't have to share everyone with them, so that's my sort of view on it. But this is an opinion I've changed all of my thoughts on a lot as time has gone on, when I go back and forth on. Sure, sure. Like I said, it's, it's something that, um, especially in an oral tradition where not a lot of a lot of things that I've I've taught people that have I've mentored and stuff it doesn't get written down it just it, through repetition it kind of gets beaten into their head and you kind of got to know when someone is ready for something and when they're when you need to back off so I definitely get that true will that's a that's an interesting one I want to go back to real quick um that was a heavy heavy topic that you really tried to turn into a bite-sized piece. I'd like to drill down into that a little bit more. Um, driving force? Is that another way of putting it? I don't know exactly the quickest way to define true will. Essentially, what it is, is it's... So every single individual has a true will. And that true will is essentially given to you by divinity, God, whatever word you like for that, um, and that was set for you, right? And as spiritual mystic people, our job, if you agree with anything Thelemic, is to discover that true will, and then live in alignment with it, right? And that's the core process of Thelema. That is why we've created a lot of, there's a lot of rituals related to it, a lot of theories on how to do it. Um, and so that's, that's the crux of Philema. I mean, the word Philema is just the Greek word for will. It's essentially the entire system is about will. That, that's like everything. So why do you think, like, I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb. This might be a unpopular opinion, but I, I don't feel that this concept has been adopted in the wider witchcraft paganistic community uh you would see because i feel if you would if it had been adopted more strongly more as a primary tenant um you would see a lot more people driven not necessarily to like expand the religion but to find communities we would see a lot more uh, alternative temples within society, things like that. And mind you, like I said, this is just my own feeling. Um, feel free to push back on that, but um, what are your thoughts? Oh, no, it has not been adopted broadly. Absolutely not. Within Philema, it's been adopted broadly. Yes. I mean, you're not a foul mind. You don't believe in true will. Like, 
you can stretch the definition of thelemite pretty far, but that's a line that can't be crossed. I actually think it would be good if it was adopted by the wider witch community, because that's one of my big critiques of the wider community. I feel like what happens is people are doing all this stuff, they're connecting today, they're learning magic, but they don't really have any reasoning or purpose behind why they're doing it, or any sort of philosophic undercurrent. I think that's actually one of the reasons why I prefer Thelema to a lot of other systems, is because when I'm in Thelema stuff, I'm doing it for this purpose, right? So we even have this thing called saying will before meals, which not every fellow mine does it. You're supposed to, not everyone does it practice, but it's like, it is my will to eat and drink. Can you say that even before you're eating, right? With Thelema, it gives you a purpose for everything you're doing and a trajectory, because the end goal of Thelema is true will and the great work, right? And I think that a lot of people who get into magic, especially online, are doing it because they want to do it, but they don't have a goal, they don't have an endpoint, they don't have a trajectory. They're like, okay, I'm going to connect to my deities, I'm supposed to, what they see is they see things like, I'm supposed to do shadow work, I'm supposed to connect to my deities, I'm supposed to cleanse, to ground. They don't really understand why they're doing that, or what's leading to, or even, like, even even in some forms of system, it's like, my goal is to get closer to this deity. It's sometimes even lack of that. So, I actually wish True Will was more broadly adopted amongst a wider group of people, because I think that it it would give that direction that I think a lot of people are missing. Absolutely. So I want to shift gears real quick and bring up uh, your first episode of your new podcast, The Modern Iconoclast. And um, I want to uh, post-modern iconoclast, let me correct that real quick. Um, so I, I was listening to that and something, it just kind of triggered a question to me, especially since I also listened to what makes a witch from, um, for me, it was magic and magnolias. Uh, but, um, do you feel that the modern pagan occult witchcraft community might be more attuned to the concepts? I should, hold on. Let me ask you real quick. Have you, are you aware of Neil Gaiman's American Gods? Yes, I am. Okay. I've read the book. I read it probably like five or six years ago. Would you feel that more more modern pagans would be classified as worshippers of American gods rather than actual classic or folk uh, pantheons? Um, I think that's a complicated question. I think it would depend on who we're talking about. I think there is some of that going on. Um, I think, though, at the same time, anyone who's claiming they're doing authentic historic paganism is not completely correct, because we don't have the records on what the historic pagans did to be doing it exactly how they were. Also, I mean, do it, does it really matter if we're doing it perfectly how they were? Because if paganism had become a continuous lineage, it would have looked like Christianity would have evolved pretty radically from its original core by now anyway. So, but I, I think that Modern paganism is not the same as what historic paganism was, for better or for worse. I guess that could be a whole bit. Absolutely. Uh, to point out the pagan evolution, we almost have a conceptual theory of what that looks like if we look at the series, uh, the spinoff from Battlestar Galactica, Caprica, because they were a Greek theistic pagan society where monotheists were uh were like terrorist cells and such and they were trying to overthrow a uh 
overarching authoritarian polytheistic culture so we actually do have kind of a a nice uh future kind of sci-fi mixed with uh that kind of a thought process and it's an interesting little game to play with that i've i've contended with myself as we've as i've watched technology overtake people because i came around in technology back when you paid by the minute to get on the internet uh before everyone had cell phones and things like that i've i've experienced the whole technological boom i worked for many people that created what we now understand as ubiquitous um, parts of life. Speaking of that though, something I would have liked to have had myself in that was a union. And I want to talk to you about some a union you brought up, and I just need to know more about the, your childhood concept of this angelic union. That would have been fantastic. Ah, uh, yes. So this is a story from when I was a kid, and I was at a, um, a church lock-in, and no, this was another time. I've done this a few times. When I was a kid, I kind of just, like, terrorized the youth pastors in my church, basically. <laughs> I read the Bible, and I had all my questions, and they were, like, burning questions, and every time I would go up to them, maybe, like, by the end, they were like, oh, God, what is she going to say now? But I, I was reading the Bible, like, pretty obsessively, and I, I had these, like, theories around it, and there were, my, my th there were multiple things in there that kind of, like, bothered me and got me thinking a little too intensely. But, yeah, so the, the story of, like, Lucifer's and, and the angels, as you guys know in the Bible, it's, you know, God, basically what happens is God essentially tells the angels that they have to help humanity develop more or less, this is me paraphrasing really intensely. Sure. I haven't read the story in quite some time. And a group of the angels, led by Lucifer, in the Bible, they argue with the pride. They they have the pride to disagree with God, basically. So they all come together, and they go up to God. And they're like, hey, can we not? Can we not do this? And then God gets mad, and they get thrown out of heaven and become fallen angels, become demons, basically. Um, and the Christian interpretation that this is about the pride of Lucifer to go against God. Childhood me thought that they were basically forming a labor union, more or less. I mean... Uh, against God, which is incredibly heretical. But, like, ten-year-old me was convinced of this, and it was, it was very funny. Tell me if we weren't rewriting uh, that just small portion of the Bible today from a capitalistic structure that Jeff Bezos isn't God and like Christian Smalls and the union creators uh, are the angels that are saying like, whoa, wait a minute, give us some rights, give us some healthcare, things like that. Think about us for a minute. Though For a minute, they were labeled as heretics. They were labeled as going against the grain and horrible people. They labeled Christian Smalls as stupid <laughs> in, a, in a document. It was ridiculous. Not to get too political about this, but insert any other horrible CEO, Starbucks, closing down shops, whatever. I, I'll admit it. I'm pro-union. I'll just go out on a limb. I've been union in the past, so I am very pro-union on this, so uh, my own <laughs> statements are mine. Um, that being said, though, let that allows me the ability to segue into how can Thelemites, especially, because like you said, it's not an 
when I started researching Crowley, if you started talking about anything, you were, like I mentioned, you were shunned. So how can Thelemites specifically start gaining more influence into the broader uh, discourse, whether that be the, the more pagan discourse or uh, just the general occult discourse? Yeah, I think that's a complicated question because Thelema is in a very interesting space in the occult community right now because a lot of people in especially the witchy sphere are essentially trying to cancel Crowley, right? They've decided Crowley is this problematic evil man and is the worst person alive and is the embodiment of all these these, these slanderous terms they like to throw at him. And so when we talk about Thelema, kind of raise a few eyebrows, especially like if you go on TikTok, I don't know if you've ever looked at my TikTok comments on videos where I talk about Crowley, but people will throw some of the craziest stuff at you, even though a lot of that is historically incorrect. And so when you're a Thelemite, you're sort of accepting that, you're taking on that mantle, because what, what people dislike about Thelema in the 90s is not what people dislike about it now, right? right. People used to dislike about Thelema is that it's too dark and it's too edgy, right. was right. basically the reasoning. And now it's that it's not socially correct, whatever term you like for that. Which you have to just kind of eat, whether, no matter what time you're in, whether it's even earlier, right? When Jack Parsons was around and they were all in California and they were called subversive anti-Americans. Um, or even when Crowley was in the UK starting the religion and he got called the wickedest man in the world. You know, being a Thelemite, Eventually, you're going to get slandered in some way or have shit thrown at you. But I feel like, and this is actually a conversation I had with an old friend, who I'm not going to name this friend because we don't really talk anymore, but what they said to me is, if you can't handle stuff being slung at you for being a Thelemite and keep going, you never had an ability to claim that term in the first place. Because Thelema is about will, and if you can't handle resistance to your will, because true will often runs contrary to whatever situation you're in. Sometimes it doesn't, and sometimes it does. So you have to be willing to follow that through, really, even if it causes you some issues. So to be a Thelemite in discourse, I think you have to be willing to just go out on a limb and say you're a Thelemite, even though people are going to look at you strange for it and sort of try to cast you out for it. You need to realize that we are heretics, fundamentally, and talk about the, and talk about the Thelemic ideas, talk about the Thelemic magic. Because all this stuff we know as Thelemites can benefit the community. You just gotta keep doing it. And I think another important thing to do is talk to other people who are not Thelemites about Thelema. Um, engage with other ideas and see how they parallel Thelema because a lot of modern Western occultism has Thelema in it. And I think when you're sitting with someone who's maybe a witch and they think Crow will be bad, so Thelema bad, you can sit down with them and say, well, here's what you're doing in your practice that actually originates from Crow. And then they'll be like, oh, wait, maybe Thelema isn't entirely bad. And I'm like, yeah, it's not. And so I think that's a good way to bridge in, and, you know, to help make Thelema more digestible because a lot of Thelema material is not digestible and not, like, beginners have trouble reading a lot of Thelema material. So I think really sort of simplifying it down so that people can get it so that they can go on and then read the harder stuff, I think is also really important because, you know, there's, you know, one's going to learn about Thelema if the Thelema text are the So all those things together, I think are what we need to do. And I think social media is critical for promulgation, so do it on the internet. That's where you reach the people. Absolutely. Um, kind of in that vein of reaching the people, I am very pro, um, like, 
I'm, I've been talking with some people and trying to get this concept started in a few circles, especially since I, I also have connections in the construction field and such, but the, the construction of like tiny temples in areas. Um, maybe this is different in your, in your area, especially of America. Um, do you find access to like religious locations more available to you? Because I can tell you right now from my side, there's almost, it's non-existent for the most part. Oh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. difficult. I mean, I, so, so I grew up in a small town in the South and, well, in, in like, like the Appalachian Mountain part of the South, not, not in like the deep South, deep South. I don't know if you know your Southern region. Uh, I do, I do, huh? so I, yeah. I know where Appalachia is. Yeah, and I now live in a major urban center in the Northeast. And here, where I am now, there is more, but even then they're not like very accessible. And I think part of this is that people who are occultists because of things like, I don't know if it's just a satanic hand or related things, but it's kind of difficult to like find where the temples even are, or like where people, because there are occult temples, there are Islamic temples that exist, but you kind of have to dig to find them I mean, it's not that hard. You kind of, like, go on the internet and find them. But you can't just, like... Like, if you walked past a Thelemic body in any town you're in, you probably wouldn't know, like, most of the time. Um, or, like, you'd have to go to an occult store and sort of ask someone there or look around. And it... it I don't know. I have mixed feelings about it. Because on one hand, I kind of get it. But at the same time, it kind of sucks that I can't just, like walk into some gorgeous Thelemic, like, cathedral-style building. I would really, I really hope something like that exists eventually. Like, I know there have been a few different groups who are trying to make, and from different traditions, trying to, like, open and physical, like, temples and stuff, and I'm like, do it, do it, do it! Do it. Please do it! Make it happen! Yep. Uh, so, if money were no objects, uh, let's, let's do a quick a thought game real quick. If money were no objects, how would you go about creating something like that for yourself? Would it be, like you said, a big cathedral? Would it be something more like a, um, a Masonic group, maybe? If I were to have my, my dream temple built, it would have that Masonic architectural style, too, with the, you know, like the shepherd floors and that sort of aesthetic. And then I'd want to paint, like, you know how, like, Orthodox Christian Church have all the paintings of the icons? Mm -hmm. Like that, with, like, Babylon and then Hadith. Oh, and then there'd be the altar and, like, the Gnostic mass set up in the east and the little box thing on the other side. And it'd be, like, gorgeous and big. And I'd want, like, glass. I think it'd be cool. I, I would want some, like, dramatic building and have it be, like, a weird combination of, like, Orthodox and Masonic vibes. And then with all the pagan iconography. That would be my dream temple. Uh, hey, go fun, go donate to my page. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. If I had the money, I would do it. Um, but I currently cannot afford to do that. But one day we will make it happen. Because I would love to see a grand pagan temples and occult temples. That would be really, really cool. I like that. I, I definitely am behind the revival of uh, pagan and occult temples. And just, uh, if we are truly a nation where we are supposed to be free to worship i think that that's one of the big spots that we need to start allowing people to step up and uh encouraging people to step up uh, some people call it recruitment some people 
I just call it encouragement myself. I, I don't think that we need to go telling other people they need to change their religion, but I definitely need, I feel that we need to do like you're doing, getting the information out there, providing the, those nice digestible steps to start opening people up to other theories, because even if they don't, can, even if they don't change their religion, accepting and understanding the other religions that are out there as more than just Christian, Islamic, and Jewish is that major step towards that. Because if you say any, to anybody, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, uh, what does that mean? <laughs> is the first question yeah. that is asked. And I, I flat out tell people I'm religious. I am one of the most religious people that uh, even a priest will meet. So um i've been to i've had the joy of being able to go with friends to seminary schools things like that and actually getting to engage with um true people immersed truly in their scripture and such and learning from them um no it's not the way i went but it definitely allowed me to engage in that and uh dig into it i've also had the displeasure of engaging with christian apologists and hearing their completely confused point of view. Um, I, where I'm going with this, though, is how do you think in our current political structure where if you're not like, it, really, if you're not Christian or there have been, what, two uh, secular presidents... If you're not Christian, you're not going to get into those higher courts. You're not going to get into those higher places. How how could we even change that in a lower space, like just state level? Well, I'm not a politicsman. I don't commentate on sure. politics. Um, I do not share my ideology to the internet. Um, but you are a citizen, and it's in it's about influencing and encouraging is more where I would like to take this rather than trying to get one political sphere. I don't care about the politics. I'm a mixed bag. I'm a bag of cats when it comes to the politics. I'll be I'll be honest. So uh, as far as that goes, it's I want people from both sides to come up. Yeah, um, I'm not sure how to fix government. <laughs> it, it's about I mean, our are, representation. Yeah, I mean, we're a minority of people. We're a very small group. Um, I know there was one girl, there are a few occultists who have tried to run over the years um, under different party labels. There have been a few people who have tried it, haven't really succeeded. I don't know how to uh, deal with with that discussion. Um, back to your spreading point, as that's something I'm, I'm more comfortable talking right. about. Um, I don't like discussing politics much. Um, we in the Lima have this idea of promulgation, not proselytization. Um, and we make a very strong distinction between teaching about and discussing the Lima and trying to shove it down someone's throat. We differentiate between these two terms, that differentiation is very important because fundamentally the Lima believe do with how well one can do as they, they will. Um, and so we oppose proselytization on that account. And generally it's also not effective in changing anyone's minds. So um, we just take away that's awesome. Um, and that's that's really where I was trying to go with this, was the more, like I said, 
I want to be able to encourage that next generation to, if they want to, like we don't see enough uh, occultists as CEOs even. Like let's let's take it away from politics even. Like we don't see enough occultists or witchcraft, which is their CEOs. If you ask people, like let me ask you, what if you think witchcraft occult business? What are your top three thoughts uh, without thinking? Uh, there are stores, healing, alternative medicine stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then, like, I've seen people do, like, perfumes and stuff like that. Right. So, like, ultimately... There, there are occultists who are in positions of power in the world that are, like, business people. They just don't present their occultism the publicly because it seems unprofessional. Exactly. I think it's not that there are no occultists. I think in these positions, I think they are. They're just not open about it. Because I mean, we're we're both open about being occultists. We know there's some, you know, you take a little bit of life damage when you do that. Sure. It it follows you a bit like a footprint, which sucks. But that's sort of where we're at. And that's where I'm getting at is what I'm hoping and what I'm trying to uh, trying to engage with people about where can we start getting that little shift because it's not going to be about us shifting because we understand where we sit in in society um us being obviously pagans which is occultists uh it's about how how do you feel do you feel that like your content is going to help the greater uh society understand occultists better by making it more digestible is that one of your hopes Potentially, yeah. I mean, that'd be great. It's not my like goal. My goal no. is just to spread the name with more people and sort of make more people realize. But if people could understand the occult, I really appreciate that because Selene, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about it. You know, so people don't really understand what it is. So I'd love to be more informed about it. So they have more. Um, we'll have better conversations about it and engage with us a little better. Yeah, I definitely am. Um, am enjoying a lot of the concept of being able to hear less of the Thelema Crowley bad idea. So that's why I'm kind of, I'll say interrogating you a little more about this portion of it because um, I'm excited about hearing the positives because it's easy to find all the negatives. It's easy to find you know, Crowley was a Nazi. Well, no, he wasn't. You know, all that... I'll I'll just go out and... It's not a family show. All that bullshit. Um, So, with that said... um, Dog's being crazy back there. Um, (laughs) I know you're taking a break from technology as far as the overall attempt to disassociate and disconnect from the influence that that has on your life, but obviously it has an effect on your ability to spread your message, things like that. How is that balance working for you lately? Yeah, so we've been a lot more critical of social media and technology recently. Over the past four months, maybe in the past year, I've been a little more critical of it because I've seen a lot of very messed up stuff going on about it and I've seen how it can really rot people's brains and their ability to be lot rational, functional human beings. And um, for me, it's about boundaries, right? I, I created, you know, off-time phone limits, put limits on my computer. 
um, you know, turn them off when I do certain things. And so I think that's really important. I think more people should do that. Um, I don't know. I think that as practitioners, we discuss this whole idea of grounding a lot. Like, I know which is always like, you need to ground. I think turning your phone off as a part of grounding, these things will sock you in. They will derail you. And in a ritualistic sense, they can pull you out of a good headspace. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, with that said, though, like, I assume you still imbibe in things like music and such during those kind of more grounding times. Um, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going, going crazy, crazy, right? Right. I don't, I'm critical of social media. <laughs> social media. But I don't think you need to, like, move out to a cabin, deep in the woods, and throw your phone away, right? I think it's about people having healthy boundaries and limits. I'm not actually anti-technology. I think it can be incredibly hypocritical because they should just get rid of your phone while being a social media influencer. I think what it is is that you need to have boundaries and limits because otherwise, I think it really messes people's heads and sort of send them in negative ways. So you mentioned, uh, you just mentioned social media influencer. A quick question, quick aside: Have you been recognized yet? Uh, just in on the person? street, just on the street, walking out. Uh, like I heard you, you kind of recognize someone else. Uh, during uh, the podcast I was listening to earlier, have you been recognized? Has someone walked up to you and been like, oh my God, you're Georgina Rose? It's happened several times, actually. Um, it's happened, the first time it happened was on a train platform in DC, like one of the metro platforms. Um, and it's happened a few times since. I found, weirdly enough, when I get recognized like on the street, I'm almost all the time, I'm out of New York, I've just noticed, noticed consistently I get recognized, like, in the wild, wild, the most when I'm not in town. I don't know why. Um, and I've been recognized in, like, metaphysical stores and at events, like, tons of times. If I go to, like, an occult event, not necessarily go to a store, sometimes I can go to a store and If I go to any sort of, like, public pagan festival in the city, like, I, can, I get recognized every time I go to this. Fantastic. All right, well... Uh, we are coming kind of to the close of this conversation. I'd like to be respectful of your time today. So I want to ask kind of two more questions. First one, a really simple one. And second one, I hope to be a little more, a little more difficult, a little more in depth. First one, if there was someone, uh, literally this was their first time being exposed uh, to Thelema, is there one book, one, uh, one author, one blogger outside of yourself because obviously you should be probably people's first stop in this aspect but um who would you recommend or what piece yeah. would you recommend so i always i feel a little nervous sometimes recommending people's stuff recently because i'm a little bit of a pariah on social media so i always worry someone's gonna like get in trouble for me recommending them but the two authors that I say are beginners, and neither of them have told me to say this for the internet viewers. Um, I have a 131, and um, Long Mile Duquette are really great. Uh, I have a YouTube video on my channel that's a beginner reading guide that sort of runs people through. Um, it, it's very long, I have like 30 books on the list. Awesome. And that will be uh, in the show notes, the link to that for sure. So. The, the second question, a little more in depth, um, if you were, say you had a time machine and you were able to go back to the day you, you feel 
you really opened up and discovered Thelema, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Oh God, that's such a hard question. Um, well, well, one, one I, I tell myself to discover Thelema sooner because it wasn't the first Nicole material I came across. I'd be like, read Crowley. Probably my, my thing that I would yell at the other practitioner. Me. Um, the second one would be to not be afraid of. I had this, this weird thing where I sort of oscillated back and forth between being scared of all our tools and things that nothing was gonna, like, I, there was no risk. I just want to find a more balanced, effective pair. And I, 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 I ordered the stuff I learned a little differently. Like, I wish I had learned, like, the tree of life a little bit sooner. I wish I had started doing live crash way sooner than I did. Um, and I'd sub out some of the rituals I learned, right? So I, I wouldn't change anything too, too, too radically. But I, I want to tell you, me, hey, hey, with this order, basically. That's, that's how, how I feel. Sometimes I feel like I learn things in the wrong order, which maybe that's a consequence of me being mostly a solitary practitioner, but I would definitely tell me about that. Awesome. All right. And with that, where all can we find you? Okay. I'm on every platform. Um, I'm on Instagram, YouTube. YouTube, YouTube is my, my main platform. platform. That's, That's the one. If you find me anywhere, please go to my YouTube. Um, Twitter, TikTok. I'm on, I'm on everywhere. I'm on a few other platforms. I'm on Telegram. I'm on Twitch. I'm very inactive on Twitch. I haven't been on Twitch in like probably two months. Uh, but, but I am all those places. I'm under Dr. Lincoln, D A T S O Patreon, which is how you support me to enable me to keep talking about Melina. Uh, I also host podcasts, podcast, on the We're currently on Spotify, Anchor, Audible, and Amazon podcasts, as well as YouTube. Uh, I'm trying to get on Apple Podcasts, but Apple Podcasts Connect is like a pain to deal with, so I'm, I'm figuring that out. We should be on Apple Podcasts soon, um, and if there are any other podcast platforms that I should be on, uh, I guess I will join those if people let me know that they feel strongly about any of them. And that has a Patreon as well. Uh, this is pretty much all I'm Dr. Darling and Virginia Rose. Look it up, look me up, and I'll come up on those places. Um, there's no major platform that I'm not on, basically. Fantastic. And all of those links will definitely be in the show notes as well. Thank you. 